When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. G'day and welcome to Shares for Beginners. My guest in this episode is Evan McGuire, Partner and Managing Director at MF&Co Asset Management, which is a boutique investment firm specialising in wealth management, trading and education. Evan started out like me in the music and audio industry, but took the sensible and more financially prudent path into the finance industry instead. He reckons that he's a better broker than a drummer anyway. We covered a lot of ground from the crash of 87, through the tech boom of the late 90s, and right up until now. But for me, the biggest takeaway is Evan's concept of single stock shock, and how to avoid it. G'day Evan. G'day Phil. Tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, I was born in uh, Sydney in 1975, lived at the, in the inner west for a few years, then the inner city, which was great when I was a teenager. It was a good time back in the late 80s and early 90s in Sydney. You could go and see bands and the old days when you had bands playing pubs, you know. And, yeah, so I, um, I started my studies in financial markets. And then I found the only way I was going to get into doing what I wanted to do to be a private client advisor or a stockbroker was I had to get some kind of experience. And I thought, well, the only way to do it is to move more from a back office situation and move into front office um had a couple of contacts that said to me if you do that that they said the best the best people to come through are the people that come from back office and move what was it that attracted you to the idea of equities in the first place well it's a it's a i mean it's a good question i i, I was always fascinated by i remember back in 1987 the crash of 87 and i mean i was only 13 or something at the time 12 at the time but I remember it on the news because I remember a lot of mum and dad sort of talked about it a bit. And um, we had a family friend who was very much involved in, he, he was involved in a junior um, gold mining company that was listed. And I, through him, I met a couple of other people this is later on. Through him, I met a couple of other people that were brokers. And I got to sit in the office and I just became fascinated by it, um, just by the gyrations of the market and... Um, I just found the whole thing fascinating around, you know, having to understand companies and understanding sort of economics and cycles and flows. Now, I didn't think about that kind of stuff in terms of cycles back then, but I just found the whole thing very appealing. So do you remember your first trade or your, your first share purchase? Yeah, I do. It was LookSmart, which is, this is back in the, um, when the, the tech craze was happening. Well, was and, that about 98? Yeah, 98, 99, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into LookSmart. Um, I was working at Macquarie, if I recall correctly. Macquarie was the lead broker to the IPO, to the flight. Oh, so this is a long time after f- even doing your course. Yeah, I mean, I had, I may have I may have done a couple of little trades before that, but I, I think they were more junior. I can't remember. But the the one that stands out for me is the LookSmart trade because... What was LookSmart? It was, the, it was like a search engine. So it was a search engine that made no money. I mean, it's unreal. Back then, I mean, everybody was uh, jumping on anything that was tech, you know, if, if it was anything to do with the internet or anything like that, people just jumped on it. They didn't look at financials, financials, what are they, right? So people just went, it was just a whole hype thing. But LookSmart looked appealing to me. And because Macquarie was doing the float, I was working there, I thought, well, why not? I'll, I'll have a crack at the title. And that 
turned out to be very smart because I doubled my money on that particular trade. And I mean, I didn't have a stack of, of, of money tied up into it, but you know, I got a real, really good taste for it in terms of you know um, the, the the process of researching and all that kind of stuff. So, what is a share? Okay, well, basically, a share is you know, you, you if you have five hundred shares in Batch Playable, you own five hundred shares in the of whatever's listed out there. So you, you you own a small, very small chunk of the company. And, and you're privy to dividends if they're paid, and you're also privy to the ups and downs of the share price. It comes down to one simple thing. Companies need to raise money. People need to invest money. And this is the whole purpose of stocks in the stock market. So you basically own um, a bit of the company. When a share is first created, a company first lists yep. on the exchange, which yep. is an IPO, yep. Yeah, initial yep. public offering. Correct. And so they're using that capital hmm. to build the business. Correct. So they use, they raise, those, they get those funds, they raise those funds, and they go out and use those funds to build the business, invest in people, invest in plant and equipment, or whatever the case may be. Um, so that's the whole purpose of a company listing, so they can raise capital and they can go and build their business and hopefully pay dividends to shareholders and make profits and everybody's happy. So are you looking at a lot of that uh, information when you're making a decision to buy or sell shares? I use a mix of both technical and fundamental analysis. I'm more technical than I am fundamental because accounting is an art. You can move this here, defer that there, put this over here. So I, 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 price action tells me everything. Um, fundamentals are important they're making money that's fantastic i think we're gonna to have to go back a step here because yes. uh, we've already got, come up with fundamental and technical analysis yeah, okay, which yes. no one's going to know any yeah, the, yeah. the difference but if we can just st- sit with fundamental just for a moment yep. because you've talked about um uh, a share using capital to um to build and invest in the business and to to grow that business yes um so fundamental analysis is when you're looking at the actual figures yes of the business yes you're looking at profit and loss statement balance sheet cash flow all that kind of stuff. Price mm-hmm. to earnings ratios. I'm not going to talk about all that funky stuff. <laughs> but but that's 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 the fundamental side. So that's looking at the numbers and analysing the company's performance. The technical side is where we use charts to be able to. Um, and what's a chart? Okay, so a chart is a, a, a you could say a visual representation of the price action of a particular security. You can have charts on stocks currencies, whatever the case may be, but we'll stick to stocks today. Mm-hmm. Um, and shares are often called stocks as well. Correct, yes. Yeah, in America they're called stocks more stocks, than... Here, here, shares, stocks, they're kind of... you know you can, Interchangeable, yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. So that's more of a, gra- a graphical representation over a period of time as to how the stock has or share has performed. What, what's some of the um, mistakes that you see first-time investors making? I mean, if you had one thing to say to a first-time investor to watch out for what would it be you know there's a number of different factors that that come into it and the first one is don't get emotional about it you have to be very careful because a share or stock is what it is it doesn't have feelings or emotions it doesn't care who you are doesn't know you it's it's a stock it's a share but people tend to uh get in this whole thing that oh i've bought this and it has to go up and it just doesn't work like that sometimes and you know if you're somebody in the last couple of years and you thought i reckon amp looks good here and you're looking at it today that's a very different story and you have to ask the question well 
what's fundamentally changed. You know what I mean? So there's a whole lot of things that come into it. But in terms of, to answer your question, people get emotional. They don't really understand what they're getting into, as in have they really done the right due diligence on the actual company they're investing in? Have they been tracking the price action for the past 12 months, three years, five years? So there's a number of different things that I see, but the first one is where people get sort of emotionally attached in this sort of psychological thing where they go, I've bought it, it's got to go up. Why is it going down? Or they buy it, and there's another one where you get somebody who's bought a stock, let's say it's some junior mining company or something, and they've got lucky, and it's gone up 30% in a week. Take it off the table, take the profit. Yes. And and they go, okay, well, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at do it again. And they make 10%. They go, oh, I'm a genius. And then they do the same thing with a different stock and they lose 40% to hand it all back. So it's, you know, and it's like, oh, how can this be? It's meant to go up. It doesn't always work like that. People buy and sell shares in the share market via a broker. Mm-hmm. And there's... Um there's full service brokers. You're yep. a full service broker, correct? And um, there's um, the online brokers. You can go through E-Trade yep. or Comsec or whatever sure. and make all your own decisions without yep. any advice. Yeah. Can you just talk a bit, little bit about that? The different kinds of brokerage, sure. That's um, operations that are available. So with the online side of things, you're getting no advice. You, you, you're on your own, um, and you know you, you, you place your order that gets uh, gets put through into the market via an automated system with filters. Nobody really helps you unless you've got a problem with logging in. You call up, it's up, can't log in. It's like you call up and say, oh, I bought CBA and it's gone down. What am I going to do? Can't help you. End of conversation. With what full service advisors, brokers that talk to clients, the difference there is is that you've got a person that sits in front of a screen day in, day out, um, has access to a lot of information, and can help a client navigate the market companies and help in the decision-making process around what you should or shouldn't be doing. I think some people go to a broker expecting them to make money for them all the time, every day, in and out, but that's not how it works. No. And, And again, it is a lot about managing expectations, education. It's about being able to sit there and say, look, here's an opportunity... There's no guarantees, but we feel there's an opportunity here and and you present that in a way and you make it very clear to um, your client what can and can't happen. So and, and so for example, if it's so if it's if it's a stock, we say, well, general advice is that you know you should buy this particular stock. These are the reasons why we think you should buy it, and you know, these are the risks. That's basically it. I mean, you just again the managing expectation side from my angle is 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 very important because there's no guarantees. If you want to guarantee, go and buy a fridge at Harvey Norman. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you first started um, in the share market in the 90s, that would have been that golden era 
of the floats when AMP yeah. and TAB and CBA and all yeah, these that was big like names, yeah. yeah, they floated. Yeah. And we've got that term mum and dad investor. Yeah. Do you think mum and dad investors still exist or are they, have they become smarter? They still exist and they have become smarter. The, I guess one of the benefits of technology is that everybody can get access to the same information at the same time. But what I've found, Phil, over, over the past few years is that, sure, the online domain is there. Um, is that a threat? No way. Not a threat to what, what I do or what we do because what happens is people blow up at some point in some way, shape or form. And blowing up means? It means that they've lost little, money little and they've, they've, money, just, yeah. they just, they've capitulated. They can't take any more and they just go, that's it, I'm out. And they shut the trade and they have... loss, $50,000 loss, whatever. And they go, geez, I want to, I see the virtues of investing in shares and stocks, right? But I just don't have the stomach for it. I can't deal with it. Kids, I'm busy with work and kids and running around the dog and all that kind of stuff. So they go, you know what? I need to put this back to somebody who can sit there, watch it and monitor it for me. And that's where we come in. Guys like me come in. That's what we do. It seems to me that the market's a little bit like going to the beach. Mm. People don't even understand the forces that are acting. You're just sort of splashing around in the shallows, having a really nice time, and then suddenly the undertow takes you out. You're out in a rip. There's sharks out there. You know, there's a whale. There's tsunamis. And you just can be buffeted around. What are some of these bigger macro influences that can, um, can affect the share market? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a number of things. I mean, there's um, you know, the political side of things, geopolitical side of things. The one, the biggest thing for me, and has been in terms of the way that I view the world over the past, you know, the biggest thing for me has been interest rates. That's the thing that really over the past 10 years, I mean, we've got, I mean, even if you look at Australia, where, why are we still at emergency level interest rates? Like, why? I mean, we, it's like, it's... To what 17 18 months we burn at these levels and again it's all about creating liquidity really uh, it's about people being able to borrow money and invest and all that kind of stuff but helicopter view to answer your question it's it's political geopolitical commodities interest rates why interest rates though well because it, it means it's it's the ability for companies to be able to borrow money so is this like the RBA decision? Every every yep. month we hear about um, yep. the RBA and keeping the interest rates and in the a Fed. particular, yep. and the Fed is in the yep. United States version yep. of that. That's right. So and and so obviously, uh, and it affects everybody. It affects your, you know your mortgage payment, your credit card, your business loan. I mean, it's 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 it, and again, it's about it's about the 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 ebbs and flows of 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 money, liquidity. So a company might um, have. Um, it costs them more to to operate. Is that the what it's? What's well, happening? yeah, and the, and the the ability for them to be able to get access to money at a particular rate, and you know that's that's the thing that I for the last I mean it's the thing people a lot of a lot of people have asked me recently. Oh, why is the market coming off? And obviously we we come off. The US comes off. We come off. You know what I mean? It's just, just the way it is. Um, not necessarily all the time, but that's generally as a rule of thumb. But yeah, so there's a whole raft of different things that come into play. Um, so, yeah, you can be at the beach and you go, this is pretty comfortable. And then, you know, there's a big wave that comes and it dumps you. Um, and that could be 
something happening geopolitically, big spike in commodity, oil prices hurts consumers. There's a whole raft of different things. And it's also the emotions of everyone yep. because it's like there's millions and millions and millions of decisions being made at every moment yes. in the share market. Yes. And it's the, the accumulation of all those decisions which um, uh, determine the price of the market at any particular time. That's exactly right. So, you, so what, what's some of the emotions that are going through um, people, well, a, all those so, players? See, this is, where it gets, this is where it gets interesting because, so for example... When the GFC happened, and I was in front of screens then, I was an advisor, I was running a desk at the time. I mean, the price action was just, for want of a better word, was breathtaking. I mean, you'd sit there and you'd just be watching stuff like Macquarie Bank go from 25 to 20 to 18, and you'd just sit there and go, wow, this is pretty amazing stuff. But what happens is that you, there's a number of things that happen, but in, in, in very, sim- very simplistic terms, People get to a point where I can't handle it anymore. Stops get triggered. So there's stop losses that are out there. What is a stop loss, just quickly? A stop loss is where um, there's a a determined level for an investor or a shareholder or whatever to get rid of that particular stock. That's the price that they go. That's it. If it gets to this point, I'm out. And they liquidate, they sell. So that's one of the factors that's um, affecting at that particular time when the the stocks are going down. That's right. And then you've got things like, for example, I go back to GFC, you had a number of people that had margin loans. That's where you borrow money to invest in stocks. And margin loan goes into a buffer. And then you get a call from the margin lender that says, mate, top up or you need to chip stuff out. People start chipping out and then that accelerates. People are selling because they've got to get out, as in, oh, I've got to get out. Marginal lenders are calling and saying, you've got to sell or top up. I've got to sell. Machines start getting into the action. Predatory type behaviour like shorting, I don't think it's predatory, but, uh, you know, people short. It's a part, it's a function of the market. You're allowed to do that. So you get this, all these things that happen. And, and now because of the, the speed of things in terms of electronic trading, things happen so fast that you, 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 can, you can look at the screen and then 10 minutes later, go away, go away, make a cup of coffee, come back and have a look at the screen you go, what happened? BHP just dropped 60 cents. What happened? You know, like that, that was, you know, when I first started, you didn't see lots of big, fast moves like that. But now we've got lots of electronic trading, lots of machines, algos, bots, people. Every, there's, there's a whole raft of different people in there now and different participants, if you will that are in there and um, things can move around really, really quickly. So um, during that time, how were you feeling when you were watching those? What were the emotions you were feeling? Uh, I actually, we were, we were very, look, from 2000 up to about 2007, 2008, when we started to get these cracks in the US, everybody made money in equity markets. Between 2000 and 2007, 2008, it was hard not to make. If you invested in, the BHPs of the world, the CBR, you, you made money. And, you know, you got dividends and all that kind of stuff. So but you felt pretty good about yourself. Absolutely. You know, things, things as, as an advisor, everything we did at the time worked. Clients were making money, we made money, everybody was making money. And then when the cracks started to appear, in 2008 it started. And then we got a bit of a, there was a bit of a, a uh, like, oh, maybe it's not as bad. But there's a whole lot of things that happened, and then obviously the market just absolutely capitulated. I've got to say, because I, I found it fascinating, 
extremely exciting. I felt bad for a lot of people because a lot of people got absolutely slaughtered. But in that time too, there was opportunity. You know, there was a really good buying opportunity there for a lot of people. And if you, you know, there's a saying, fortune favours the brave. If you got your timing right, some people picked up um, a lot of companies very cheap. And if they've held on to them since then, they would have done very, very well. Not all, but, but you know, I mean, for example, Macquarie Bank. If you bought Macquarie Bank at $18, $18 you've knocked it out of the park. But then there's companies like Babcock and Brown that don't exist anymore, which is seen as a mini Macquarie. Gone. Just completely, yeah. Gone. Yeah. You know, Orco Finance, gone. So there was a number of, and even broking firms. We had a broking firm called Opus, Opus Primeth, and they were called. Um, they went. Uh, there was, a, you know, Tricom Equities, massive broking firm. Um, they had a big margin lending book. Gone. And this is where analysts most probably have been saying these are good companies, and they've yeah. had recommendations on yeah. these companies. Yeah. So you really can't trust trust anyone, can well, you? Well, well, yeah. I mean, again, it's 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 difficult. And when and look, that was a very um, unusual time when the GFs, there was a number of things that, and we're, unfortunately Australia, like the rest of the world, got sort of dragged into it um, because, you know, there was just this whole thing about, well, the US potentially is going to blow up and obviously all the authorities over there and the Fed and Hank Paulson and all those guys got together to create a tarp and saved it. And we obviously got dragged into it. But yeah, I mean, if you're an analyst and you're sitting there going, oh, Babcock and Brown's a buy at $7 and you, you acted upon that recommendation... Well, that seven dollars became zero, and this is a kind of a warning for potential um, beginners in the share market, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you really, you, you, you look again. There's no guarantees with anything, but the, the the what you need to do is you need to do your due diligence, and you got to look at the company. You got to look at the what what does the company do? Can they survive? Is there going to be some two kids in a garage somewhere that are going to make that particular company obsolete in six months' time? That's probably more about the you know the, the IT side of things, right? Mm. And again, if you get into things like you know you look at um, companies that are into you know are in manufacturing, is there going to be a requirement for it? Is there going to be recu- equipment that could make that particular piece of machinery obsolete? Mm. There's so much information, and and uh, again, you need to, you need to be able to make do the due diligence and sit there and go, okay, what does the company do? Okay. Is there a demand for what they do? Okay. Do they have competitors? Yes. Okay. What, what about the regu- Is there a regulatory side of things that affects what they do? Do politics come into play? If there's a change of government, does that affect? So there's a number of things you've got to consider um, when you, if, you, if you're a first-time investor that you need to be um, mindful of. So this first-time investor, if they're just wanting to learn about the share market, and um, do they even have the skills to do that kind of due diligence? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think, again, because the, the, there's so much information out there. I mean, you, all you do is you just you go to your Google and type in whatever, you know, so I'll Telstra. Yeah, so you see the company there, and then, you know, if you type in Telstra broker recommendation or something like that, you, you're going to find information. And, you know, you can always just have a look at the company's annual report and, uh, and, and updates and all that kind of stuff. AGM. I mean, there's always there's so much stuff there that people can get access to relatively quickly. 
but you know there's you just you don't know you can have a change in in government you can have a change in some policy or you know some some directors paid somebody off and now they're caught out and there's a litigation there's so many things that, that can happen where you can you could have done you could have done your best in terms of your research and then you just get that moment that happens where something comes up and the company's under pressure and the share price is falling so you're, you're basically trying to give yourself an edge by educating yourself on a, a company as much as possible is Absolutely. That what, that's what you're trying to do i think so i mean if you're if you're in my in my eyes and in my view there's different people that are in the market there's long-term investors and there's shorter term investors and people that speculate if you're somebody who is more of a longer-term investor then yes you need to make sure that you 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 you're doing your research and you keep on top of what you're doing with the company. You monitor what's going on. Well, this is what I wanted to come to because the ASX 200, yes. which is the top 200 stocks on the Australian share market, it's yes. broken up into sectors. Yes. What are those sectors and um, would you recommend having a share in each of those sectors, for example? Probably not because, in a, I mean, it depends on how much money you've got. You so what, what are the sectors? There's financials, there's... Yeah, um, there's industrials, there's consumer staples, there's healthcare, there's telecommunications. So there's a whole raft of different... Um, and then there's sub-industries. In yeah, those. yeah, correct. That's yeah. right. But to, to keep it very simple, so yeah. for example, if we're talking about financials, we're talking about you know banks, insurers and the like. We're talking about resources, you know, we're talking about mining companies generally and, and also uh, so the guys like, you know, your BHPs, your Ford Excuse, your Rios. Telecommunications, well, we don't have many, unfortunately, but, you know, we've got obviously Telstra. We're not like the United States. It's very small. So, yeah, so that's what those all those particular industries, those, those uh, indices make up all these different So an investor areas. needs to be aware of which sector... Yeah. Correct. They're generally in because Correct. there's forces yeah. acting on those sectors. That's exactly right. Mm. That's exactly so. Again, to answer your question, um, you want to spread spread your risk around. Don't be too don't be too loaded up in one particular area. Allocate your money in a way where you're not going to get smoked if you're too heavy one way. Don't bet your farm on on one particular stock. Spread it out. Do sectors tend to move together? Uh, not really. Oh, sorry, in the shares within a sector, do they tend oh, to... Oh, yeah. To- yeah, so if you've got, for example, if, uh, you know, in the... If you look, for example, in the financials and all the banks are coming off, obviously that particular sector's coming off and anything that's pretty much in that sector, if they're all... If, if you've got a whole bunch of them to come off, it's all coming off. And it works the other way. So, you know, if there's a big run-up in commodity prices, then that the material sector will tend to, you know, you'll see Rio, Fortescue, Newcrest, all those guys move higher. You, you want to make sure that you have a very good understanding of the sector of that particular stock that you'll share that you're investing in. You want to make sure that you understand the broader sector that it's, it's, it's active in. You know, when news comes out, you, you, you just got to make sure that you're on top of it because, um, again, things can move very, very quickly. It can, and, and this is something that I've noticed, is there are so many news events that will affect it, and even just being, up, being across when these news events come, come about. Mm. Where can people find that information? Oh, there's a number of uh, different uh, websites. I mean, look, you can go to the Australian Financial Review, you know, AFR. Um, if you, you can subscribe to that. Um, even Yahoo Finance, Google Finance, there's... there's Number of different ways that you can get priced. Even the ASX website, you go to the ASX website, and you're going to get delayed data. 
if you don't have an online platform or anything like that, you get delayed data and you get access to all the company announcements. So there's, 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 there's it's, it's, again, there's so much information out there. All you do is just do a little bit of research and you can find what you need and then you set it up in a particular way where you go, this is what I use to monitor the news firewall um, my portfolio and that kind of thing. But a lot of people these days, if they're trading online, for example, they, they'll have all that there. And then, of course, if, you, if you've got an advisor, well, the role of the advisor is to make sure they're monitoring things and to give you a call and say, listen, there's just been an announcement. So I'll let you know. You know yeah. Stock's yeah. up, stock's yeah. down. And then, of course, the important thing is about the emotion as well, keeping the emotion out of it. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again... Where that becomes problematic is where you've had, in my opinion, where you've had, for example, if, if it's somebody who says, who's allocated a lot of money in their portfolio to a particular stock, and they go, well, I've just bought, I bought AMP at $4. Can't go any lower, if you want to bet. <laughs> and they go, how, how can this be? This is AMP. It's one of the oldest insurers, life insurance. How can this be? It's top 200, top 50 stock. This can't be happening. You, you just gotta, you just gotta understand that that's part of the gig. It becomes problematic. You've allocated a lot of money to it, and this is why allocation in a portfolio is very important. You got to make sure you're not too skewed in one way. You know, if you're trying to build a portfolio, you want to have it diversified. Um, so you're not, you're not what I call getting single stock shock, um, where you've actually got different things that are working you for something might be down but you've got something else that's up and, and, and it's sort of it's balancing itself out and then hopefully in the longer term if you're more of a longer term investor that all moves higher and you, you're privy to the dividends and the good times and obviously the bad times here and there and, and, and it works for you that's a great term single stock shock single stock shock <laughs> I, 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 hopefully I can trademark that <laughs> single stock shock well it's actually a big problem because what happens is is that if you have a portfolio and you know you can have two or three stocks in a portfolio and let's say for example amp telstra Meyer, you look at those stocks and the price action of those stocks in the past year has been i mean if you if you had those three stocks alone in your portfolio you are getting smashed and you just sit there and go my god what's happened so, you know, this is where you got to, you know, and this is the thing, like, you got to spread it out. If you like somebody's gone, oh, I'll go and buy, I'll buy a mile at a dollar, it's, it's already come off from $2, can't go any lower, want a bit. Mm. So that's another trap, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, what's the, the term, catching, falling, falling knives? Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, I mean, you know, people people sit there and go, oh, well, Telstra's gone from $6 to $4, it can't go any lower. And it's, yeah, it's, just, it's the whole thing of, well, the stock's falling, the stock's falling. I don't think it's going to fall much more. I'll buy some here. And then it just keeps falling. And the trick to get around that, the only way to really get around that is you've got to wait for the price action to stabilize first. And then you start to see an uptick. And you start to see price action stay at a particular level. doesn't always necessarily mean that it's going to go up. But you want to, and you want to start to see volume coming through, and you want to start to send a bit more confidence. That's when you. That's when you. Even if you've missed twenty or thirty cents, you go. I could have bought it three bucks. Now it's three dollars thirty. But it's better to buy at three thirty, and to be there in the stocks at three seventy or three eighty in a year's time, than to be buying it at four, and you're still a year later, and you've picked it up at. You know what I mean? It's still so you were talking about price action and volume, yeah. as being a factor of confidence. Mm. 
how does confidence in a particular share is that how it expresses itself yeah i mean the the well and also fear i mean look the the the, the two main drivers of anything markets and life in my view fear and greed that's what drives people fear and greed you know fear of loss fear of missing out greed i've got to get more that's just it's a driver and i think that's a lot of that is very very prevalent in markets doesn't matter if it's gold oil currencies bitcoin doesn't matter but you what you want to see in terms of well there's two things if if a if a share of stock is is coming off in a significant manner with lots of volume there's a problem and vice versa if you're seeing the stock go up and there's lots of volume behind it that's a good thing you know it means the people have got conviction they're confident people are buying and, and when you see volume that's telling you a lot volume is volume is key volume is key because mm. that tells you a lot liquidity you yep. were talking about liquidity yep. before yeah what's that mean it means uh, in 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 my world it means the ability to be able to get in and get out basically liquidity and 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 around and that's in terms of what i do with stocks and, and options right but also you can also use that term in terms of how much money is in the system you want liquidity in a share absolutely absolutely so tell me how that works well so for example um you know bhp lots of liquidity um, there's lots of money going in lots and out. of money going in lots of buyers lots of sellers lots of activity and then you could have abc mining company which doesn't exist but it's just an example that doesn't trade much at all and isn't a lot of volume on the bid or the offer so if you, if you needed to do something it could be difficult for you to do it mm-hmm. so that's that's what i mean by that by liquidity yeah okay now we we're talking about analyst recommendations mm-hmm. um there's a whole range there's buy hold accumulate mm-hmm. reduce reduce what so. are, what do those all mean okay so buy. because it just it means you, you think isn't it just a buy or a sell yeah well you'd think that but, <laughs> but you'd be wrong. <laughs> but you'd be wrong. So, yeah. Um, so, buy, obviously, is buy. Sell is sell. Get rid of it. Reduce is don't get rid of all of it, but takes them off the table. Hold is just hang on to it. Don't buy anymore. Don't sell anything. Hold. And accumulate? Accumulate means to add. You could say it's the same as buy, but it's more, if you've already got some, you'd accumulate, you'd add, you'd add a bit. You'd add a bit to it. Yeah. Evan, this has been great. I've learned so much today. Thank you. For, <laughs> thank you for inviting me. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. For more information, we can go to your website, which is... Yes, uh, the website for MF & Co Asset Management is www.mfam.com.au. And don't forget, if you get in contact with Evan, please mention Beginners. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice, and you shouldn't buy or sell any shares based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not shares for beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances, or current situation. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started.